We work with energy providers like electric and gas utilities to help them communicate to customers exactly what they can expect to pay when making clean energy decisions. So that could be uh, changing to a new time of use rate, uh, which charges you different um, prices for electricity based on the times of day that you use it. Uh, it could be buying an electric vehicle, you know, the cost implications of that beyond just uh, buying the car, but also charging the car at certain times of the day, installing solar, storage, you know, whatever clean energy decision um, a person might make, uh, we can tell them exactly with great accuracy what that's going to cost them um, on their bill. And why this is important is because um, utilities are striving to do a couple of things. One is decarbonize their operations. So remove, you know, uh, the harmful carbon to the environment from electricity generation. And they're also tasked with providing a really good customer experience. And ultimately, I think, you know, if they can do a better job of, of conveying to people um, the cost impact of their decisions, then they can uh, both decarbonize uh, because they're shifting usage at different times of the day uh, when supply is cleanest. And they're also um, ultimately uh, getting happier customers because uh, there's no surprises on their bills. When you when you talk to somebody who's, again, not in the industry and, and they hear what it is you do, is the common is the common person uh, surprised to know that uh, peak time matters uh, on that regard? Are they surprised by that? Or is that something that they know, but they haven't taken any action on to learn about or to, or to change behavior? Yeah, I think they're becoming less surprised because more utilities are rolling out these different rate structures to them. And I think there's less surprise about the fact that it is happening. And I think there is uh, some sense of relief that there is help to figure out their best course of action. You know, obviously, if you go to different parts of the country, it may be a bit more of a foreign concept. A lot of the rates um, and modern rate structures have kind of, you know, started in California and moved, you know, in different states. So I think it depends on where you are. Uh, but for the most part, when I tell people this, they're like, oh, yeah, my utility just switched me to a new rate, you know, a few months ago, and I was not quite sure what that would mean for me. So um, there is, I think, definitely a general acceptance and understanding of what's going on, but there still is that kind of confusion around, you know, the cost impacts to uh, to them based on their behaviors. Yeah, it sounds like there's more uh, sort of rapid adoption in the in the areas where there's sort of extremities of of weather, right? Like that's where is that where you're seeing a lot of the uptick in this so far? Yeah, I, th I think I think extremities in weather, and I think also influx in renewables and some of the more progressive utilities that were some of the first to uh, announce these decarbonization targets, where or or states where there's a hefty. Um, amount of renewables in their electricity supply. So, you know, states like California, Arizona that have a lot of solar, um, they're definitely seeing some more of that. And obviously, you know, weather plays a role as well. Yeah. So when you do talk to somebody who knows what GridX does and and they've been using it, like what what is it that they appreciate about the technology? What What is it that sort of hooks them in the beginning? What's the feedback they get after I've been involved with the brand? Yeah, I think um, I think a couple of things. Uh, we have very happy customers, which is fantastic, and that makes you know my job as a marketer um, a little bit easier. And that uh, you know a lot of our our sales generate from word of mouth, or customers are willing to um, you know espouse the benefits of working with us, which is great. Um, I think a couple of things. One is is the accuracy of our solutions, so you know we can pinpoint you know real close to what the the price is is going to be, which is. A complex thing, which kind of leads me to the next point, which is that we really simplify 
that. So whereas a lot of these calculations have been done manually, it might take nine to 12 months to roll out, you know, a TOU rate, for instance, or an EV program, you know, we can shrink that into a matter of weeks. So um, I think that that speed to market is also something that people really get excited about because, um, you know, they want to get these types of programs, these types of products in the hands of customers as quickly as possible. And if it takes, you know, nine to 12 to 18 months to do that, uh, they're missing valuable opportunities to both, um, you know, shift that usage and to, you know, provide that customer experience. So I'd say it really boils down to the the accuracy of our solutions, um, as well as the uh, our ability to really uh, be efficient and to kind of speed the time to market to get these kinds of things out the door. Do you see a lot of, uh, you, you talked about having, you know, happy customers, that's really important. Do you yep. see that they're sort of championing uh, it to their, you know, industry friends as well? Or are they passing that along? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the cool things about working in the utility space is, um, you know, we serve investor owned utilities in, in regulated markets. And so they're not competitive with each other, right? They're not competing for us as customers. You know, I live in, uh, in the Bay Area and PG&E is my utility and that's where I get my energy from. So, you know, they're as a result, really open to idea sharing, to information sharing. Uh, you go to these conferences and, you know, people are sharing ideas on what they've done, um, how it's been successful, the technology that they use. And you just don't see that in a lot of other spaces in, you know, highly competitive markets where people are willing to kind of give away their secret sauce, so to speak. And, you know, what I found is there's like a, a lot of really smart, innovative people working in utilities that want to share those experiences. And in part, because they're all very mission driven, you know, they're in service to customers, they provide a, a very valuable service, and they're very, um, you know, focused on doing better for the environment. And I think the more that they can talk about what they're doing, um, the better off they're going to be. In fact, I um, recently started a podcast called With Great Power, where we interview utility practitioners, on a variety of topics about you know programs they've run that have been successful, ways they've engaged customers, big changes they've made, and they're always just so open and willing to share their insights and and, and share their thoughts. And uh, you know, I think um, I, that's one reason again why I love being in this space is just because it's a real free flow exchange of ideas that happens all the time. It is a rarity. I mean, there's just not that many industries that that's the case. And like you said, you, you mentioned why that is like, they're not competitive with each other. Yep. So they don't need to hold things close to the vest. And then by the way, they're trying to accomplish things that are good for everybody. Right. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. But, I mean, think about how much of an obstacle that would be if they were competitive, right? Like they would yep. hold, would they share it? Who knows? You don't know if they would, but they do. So yeah, that's, that's got to just for you personally, probably when you're talking with them and going to conferences, doing podcast interviews, like everybody can just kind of breathe easy because you're all trying to accomplish the same thing versus, you know, did I share too much, you know? Yep. No one's trying to steal ideas. No one's trying to, you know, single source on vendors or, you know, not uh, hold, hold their secret sauce too tight to their vest. So yeah, it makes for a real fun collegial experience. And, you know, I've, I've worked in different sectors before and, you know, you go to these energy trade shows and it's just, it's a very collegial group of people and it just, you know, creates a really strong vibe, which I enjoy. On the same time, at the same time, when you are competitive, sometimes it drives innovation, right? And you, and you have to really level up on different things. Marketing is one of them, right? So yep. how have you in your role in a, in an industry that I think it's fair to say has not always been looked at as the forefront at, at marketing, right? Like how have you brought that into this industry and, and like, what's the reception? What have you tried to do? Have there been any hurdles in front of you or just things that you're proud that you've accomplished so far? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, 
I think I really tried to develop marketing strategies and, and campaigns that are going to seek to educate and inspire people to take action. And, you know, even if they don't buy our product, if, you know, we can plant some good seeds of inspiration um, of how things can be done. And I think that's a positive, um, you know, in terms of innovation, I think the podcast is a great example of a storytelling device, especially coming from a vendor. There's a lot of vendor podcasts out there that, you know, are kind of subtly trying to promote themselves as opposed to kind of learn from and share ideas from others, which is exactly what we're trying to do. I think that's a big part of it. Um, the other thing that we do, uh, you know, at events, we really try and provide real strong experiences for people, both kind of on the show floor um, and outside of events as well. So um, I, uh, I'm i not afraid to throw a really good party to show people a good time. Um, and I think it goes back to that bringing people together to to network and to, you know, uh, share ideas and such and to get to know each other. Um, in the past too, I've also had a lot of success um, developing, you know, kind of an executive advisory board where we bring people into the fold to kind of show them, you know, our roadmap, the kinds of things we're working on to have dialogues about innovation and and what we can do together to move the industry forward. And also to bring, you know, outside perspectives in as well. So, you know, bring in different thought leaders, maybe from different spaces that we can learn from. And again, it kind of goes back to that, that idea of educating, inspiring, collaborating. Um, and we've done a lot of different things, both at GridX and in my career previously, um, with an aim towards doing that. And they've always been really well received. Um, so that's a real positive. And I'm, I'm really proud of the fact I joined GridX back in uh, February of uh, 2022. And, you know, marketing had been kind of a, a death side job up until that point, there was no dedicated function. Um, so people knew of GridX, but it was more so kind of the install customer base and other folks that had kind of heard of the company. But as we're going to more and more events now, you know, people are saying GridX, I feel like I'm seeing you guys everywhere. And so I feel like the combination of, of that content development um, of those kinds of experiential events and such is really starting to move the needle and it's getting people to really understand who we are and our value proposition, which as a marketer, that's exactly what you want to see, right? If you go to events, no one knows who you are, uh, then maybe you're not doing your job as effectively as you should be. So uh, that's been a real positive experience for us as well. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, you're doing a great job with the brand um, and and people take notice uh, yep. when someone's going to do that. I mean, especially especially if there isn't, if you look around and, and not as many people are taking the same kind of actions that you're taking, you're kind of, you're you know, you're kind of showing off in a space and people are yep. taking notice. So yep. uh, I'm sure that is rewarding. What, what um, I'm sure occasionally you run into sort of misconceptions that either your customers or your customers' customers have. You see a lot of that. I, my guess is that a lot of this is like behavioral change stuff that you're dealing with and how do you motivate people to make a decision that they probably would agree with, they just don't want to do. But yep. are there misconceptions in the space too that you're also trying to deal with? Um, I think there's misconceptions, you know, that, well, you mentioned one of them earlier that utilities aren't innovative, which frankly, I always scoff at because, you know, they've created one of the single biggest systems that have made our way of life possible, uh, the electricity grid. Um, you know, we all have an expectation that when we put the light switch, the light goes on and it does like 99.9% .9 of the time, right? So um, that's innovation right there. You know, obviously, um, as as the industry changes, more renewables come on the grid. There's some big, you know, uh, lofty uh, challenges in terms of how do we integrate those and how do we ensure that you know uh, supply meets demand and and whatnot. But 
you know, I think that's a big misconception that utilities just aren't that innovative. And I think that's frankly silly. Um, and they're getting even more innovative now um, over time. Um, yeah, I think the other misconception is, and I struggled with this one a little bit, I do think people care about the environment and energy and how their actions do influence that. I think we're seeing a lot more of that, especially as a climate change discussion is becoming much more prevalent. You know, I think people do want to make decisions that impact them um, in a positive manner, but also, you know, impact the job of the utility and what they're trying to do. And I think a great example of that is um, there was a massive heat wave out here in California and Southern California and Northern California and the whole state really uh, back over uh, Labor Day weekend. And there was like a week where temperatures were above 100 degrees, you know, as high as like 108 and 110. And um, when that happens, you know, the system's going to struggle because everyone's running their air conditioners. Um, and uh, Southern California Edison sent out a, or I think it was the state of California, but in SCE's territory, sent out like one of those emergency alerts via text saying, hey, we need you to cycle down your AC during this time or everyone's going to lose power. And they saw a tremendous response from that. And they were able to avoid uh, a blackout as a result. So even though people were going to be inconvenienced a little bit, maybe be a little bit warmer in their home during a very, very hot time. Um, they responded in mass uh, to prevent that system from going down so that, you know, people who really couldn't afford to have uh, their AC running for whatever reason, um, you know, or their lights off, you know, it kept the system up and it kept it stable, which I think was just a fantastic example of how people do want to make decisions for the greater good um, and, uh, and do that with regards to energy. That's cool. I've read that energy is the only currency, and I tend to agree with that statement. But it's also the sun. It's like you said, we take it for granted. You turn on the yep. light switch, and you expect it to be on. So it's this almost invisible thing that we don't pay attention to, uh, unless you work in the industry. But now we're seeing that it's one of the biggest opportunities we can to to make an impact, uh, more so than you know some CPG brand that changes its packaging or something like that, which is yeah, important. Right. Yep. But on what scale of importance is that? So. Uh, I think that's, you know, for me personally, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy talking to uh, people like yourself who are doing something in a space where it's like, oh, this totally makes sense. It's just something that maybe we took for granted before or hadn't thought yep. about before until someone is like bringing it to our attention, which is what marketing does, right? Yep. So you're exactly right. You're putting it out in front of people and making sure they understand what the possibility is and, and trying to influence behavior changes and, and adoption and things like that. Are, yep. are you seeing, are you seeing ways where, um, either companies or even individual residents are starting to make switches and things like that. I mean, you kind of mentioned one right now where everybody chipped in and said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll participate in this as a group. Are you seeing other instances of that where it's, it's effective or, or people have been able to influence change? Yeah. Change? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I think, um, I think electric vehicles are a good example. You know, obviously they're, they're sleek, cool cars for the most part, but we're starting to see some pretty significant adoption, of those, you know, not just in the uh, in the coastal states, but throughout the country. Um, and so I think utilities play an important role in the EV experience, you know, both helping customers, you know, find the right car for them, but then also how it's going to impact, you know, their their energy bills going forward. So I think EV adoption has has been really good. Um, I've seen a lot of customer or a lot of utilities do really great work serving um, limited income customers as, as well, uh, and really kind of, you know, being there for them during difficult times. I, I recently interviewed um, a woman, Tara Sievers at uh, Entergy, which is a utility uh, on the Gulf Coast. And they also experienced, you know, similar heat waves recently, and it was having a really, in, you know, profound impact 
um, on their limited income population. And so they made a series of bold moves that, you know, really helped alleviate the financial burden on them because, you know, at that point they're sitting there thinking, am I going to buy groceries this week or am I going to pay for my energy bill? And like, frankly, that's not a choice that I think anybody uh, should really have to be faced with. Um, so there's lots of really great examples, I think, of how utilities are doing good work to better serve customers and to and to change their behaviors. That's awesome. You, you've mentioned a couple of things, but what would you say has been the most rewarding part uh, of joining since you've joined Grudex? Like what, what's been most rewarding to you so far? Um, the most rewarding thing for me so far, um, it's a good question. Um, I think just being part of a really strong mission driven team, you know, so as I mentioned before, Gridex has been around for about 10 years, but, um, you know, never really had marketing. And this is a company doing some phenomenal work for, uh, some really important companies. Uh, and they weren't really getting, I think as much of the recognition or the, um, uh, yeah, just as much of the recognition as they probably should have. And so I think being able to shine a light on that is great. Um, and it's one of the reasons I'm in this space is because it is a very mission-driven company. Um, you know, people join because they want to do great work, but because they care about the environment as well. And so I think being able to shine a light on that um, has been really fantastic and very rewarding for me. Um, you know, we're growing the team like crazy right now, which is which is great. Uh, we took a pretty significant investment from a, a bunch of investors um, back in the spring timeframe and, uh, you know, just being able to put that money to good use by hiring more people and doing creative campaigns and, you know, fixing some things that needs to be fixed has just been a really cool experience. And this is, you know, so personally, this is my first time, you know, on an executive team. So kind of like being part of the C level. And I think being able to see it from that perspective has been, has been really cool. Um, and to know you're part of a, you know, a small group of people within a very large company um, that can have a strong impact um, has just been a phenomenal experience for me. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there, is there something that you wish that the general public was more aware of um, with the work that you do or the space that you're in? Is there something that you think that people, and maybe they know it, but they just don't think about it very often. Is there anything like that comes to mind? Yeah, I just, you know, I think that their their behaviors and, and what they do can have a pretty profound impact, you know, uh, you know, I think people might think to themselves, well, you know, if I make this change, I save $5 on my energy bill, not that big of a deal. But, um, you know, that $5 to you could mean a lot for, you know, others in terms of system reliability, keeping the lights on. Um, and just helping utilities achieve their decarbonization goals. So, you know, by buying that EV, for instance, you know, sure, it's a great car that goes really fast, but you're also having a really positive impact on the environment. And the more of those being on the road, the more gas cars we get off the road, the more, you know, the more we're going to do in order to, you know, combat climate change, which I think we all play a role in. So, you know, I think for me, it's just that these these actions, which may seem small um, or big, because obviously an EV is a big purchase, like they they definitely have an impact on what we're trying to achieve um, from a planetary standpoint in terms of, you know, ensuring we're leaving a good place for our kids, grandkids, their kids, and, 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 and so on. I had never really thought about the externalities of buying an EV um, beyond, you know, just the impact of the EV itself. But if I look around at people I know or people in my neighborhood, the ones who buy the EV are more likely to have solar are probably yep. more likely to think about their usage. Do I charge this at night? as an example, things like that. And it's all started with, like you said, it all started, it probably started with the car, right? Like it, yep. it probably didn't think about 
usage at night until they had the car. And then they started thinking about how do I fuel this thing? And is it, is my garage a gas station with my solar panels? Like that type of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people buy it. Well, obviously the early adopters, you know, will buy it because they want something that's sleek and new, but a lot of people are buying it now to save money on gas. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the gas prices go through the roof. So they're making a, you know, financially conscious decision that really has an impact on the environment as well. Um, so yeah, there certainly, um, are a lot of residual benefits from, from doing things like that or installing solar to your point that has a huge impact as well in terms of, um, you know, just lessen our dependence upon, um, upon carbon, uh, in our electricity supply.